This morning, uh, if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 6, we're talking about work. We're talking about work. Um, and as we, as we look at work, uh, I want to tell you, we'll be in the book of Proverbs. And I want to remind you that Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And not just a book of wisdom in the sense of, hey, if you want to be an overachiever and be wise beyond everyone around you, read Proverbs. But this is a book, a handbook, if you will, that God gave to a man to make him wise for him to give to his son. That this was inspired by God and this was for a son, a young man. And as I think about, uh, I'm so um, lost in this whole concept as we've been studying through the book of Proverbs because I have children in my home. I realize that training is going on all the time, e- either good or bad. <laughs> Training's going on. Uh, they're picking up things from me uh, that I don't necessarily want them to. And there are other things that... I need to be teaching them right now that I can't wait and say, hey, son, uh, we'll talk about this when you're 30. We'll talk about this when you grow to be a full-fledged man out on your own, realizing that that will be too late. That will be too late. And so as we come to the book of Proverbs this morning, I'm, I'm uniquely and, and motivated about this particular topic as we share it together this morning. I need to confess to you uh, that I'm lazy. I'm lazy. I've wanted to dodge that whole idea for a long time. Uh, I remember uh, growing up in my own household, the one that I grew up in, uh, different members of the family, primarily my father, telling me that I was lazy. And you don't want to hear that. Uh, Nobody wants to hear that. In fact, some of you, it would be the greatest insult I could give to you if I said, you're a lazy man or a lazy woman. But I confess to you this morning that as I look through the Proverbs and I've, I've sorted through my life this week, it's been very convicting, very convicting. Um, and as I've studied really who we are as people, I think all of us are prone to be lazy, all of us. Uh, some of you have trained yourself, you've worked your way out of being that guy or that girl, that woman, uh, but we're all prone to laziness, and your kids and your grandkids are prone to laziness living in the sinful world. That's why I think this topic is so important. Um, also, I want to remind you that as you come to the book of Proverbs, it's not just helpful tips for living in the world. Um, it's based upon a relationship with God. When I, there are other motivations other than a relationship with God to work hard. Do you know any of them? How about greed, right? If you work hard, you can make a lot of money. In fact, that is a motivator, right? If, if, if People will work hard knowing that they can make a lot of money, and sometimes that is the drive within them that will cause them to work hard. That's not what Proverbs is necessarily talking about. It's out of a relationship with God. It's because we live in this fear of the Lord relationship, not the fear of man relationship. We have this relationship with God. This is what should drive us to work hard. 
And the second thing, another motivator, is pride. Is pride. The competition of life. That we at our, are at our job, we're at our school, and, and we get our tests back, and we say, what'd you get? What'd you get? And if, if someone got a, a better grade than, than we did, we just leave the conversation at that, right? Move on, quickly. Quickly. If you got a better grade, you say, oh, I got a better grade than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm better than you. You're a loser. Why didn't you study harder? <laughs> we do that at work too, right? I got a raise. I got a raise because I'm, I'm a better worker than you are. If you would have worked harder you, and been, been as smart as I am, I, you would have got what I got. You, you didn't because you're not. That's the pride, right? This also can motivate us to work hard, but it's not what the Lord desires of us in a relationship with Him to work hard. Who is this message for? Obviously, we've already talked about this, but who does this message pertain to right now? It pertains to the old, the retired people. It's easy to be lazy when you're retired, isn't it? It, it refers to the young, obviously. They're learning how to live, and uh, there's much opportunity, and there's temptation to be lazy. It definitely pertains to the single, right? The single one especially is tempted with this because they have no dependents. They have no one checking up on them, looking at their schedule. And so they go, huh, if I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it. It's just me. It has to do with the young married uh, starting out their life together, leaving their singleness behind. It's one for the rich, uh, for those who have been able to amass great wealth, to remember that these things are important for them to practice, even though the, the um, amount of hunger that would drive them isn't there. And it's definitely for the poor. If you're struggling financially, these principles that come from the Lord and out of a relationship with Him are important. Uh, one last thing uh, in our intro this morning for you to keep in mind. This is personal. This is personal. This is not for our country. Okay? It's easy. I, I, I'm so tempted this morning to turn into an old guy. Oh, I'm so tempted to start ranting about where this world is going. Oh, I'm so tempted to turn into that guy. The kids these days, I tell you. I'm so tempted by that. But think about the context. Think about why this was written. It was personal. It's from a son. It was from a father to his son. Why does this message mean anything to you this morning? Because of you and your relationship to your spouse and your relationship to your kids and your desire for your grandkids and your great-grandkids. This is why this message matters this morning is because it's God instructing you about the ways this will impact your life. We will have just a moment where we're going to talk about our country. Just a moment, okay? But let's go. Proverbs chapter 6. Many of you have graduated from prestigious schools. You've, uh, they have a great name, you know. Some of you have gone to some of the great universities of our country, Harvard and MIT, the Master's College, <laughs> University of Spoiled Children, and uh, yeah, I know. 
I didn't even mention UCLA, you know. Uh, yeah, that's for you, Ray. Uh, these are great places you've gone to. This morning, we're going to enroll in a school that is far greater than any that you could imagine going to. It's the School of the Ants. School of the Ants. In Proverbs chapter 6, um, and we are to learn this morning about the sluggard. The sluggard. What a great word, by the way, right? You don't even have to know what it means, and you know what it means, right? You sluggard. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says this, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O slugger? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. It's so hard for us to imagine. Um, there, animals are amazing. I don't know if you love watching animals. I don't have any love for horses whatsoever. There's many reasons, by the way, too. They just eat, and they, you know, they produce something, but it's not pleasant. Okay, uh, their nostrils are too big, and I'm nervous about their size and all those other things. But, um, but I want to tell you this about horses. I love watching them run. I love watching them run. I, you know, the, the power, the sheer, and there's something majestic. You know, other animals, I think of that as well, the elk that we have here. I, I think there's something amazing about it. And so as I think of things that would work, that would be such, he says, go look at them, go look at them. He says, go look at ants. <laughs> what a shameful thing, isn't it? He says, I want to teach you about work. Look at the ants. Look at the ants. And you picture this, you're saying, give me a grand example. And he says, look down. Look down at those annoying ants. We've got a lot of ants at our house right now. They, they, these little red ones that are out in the field and just amazing. And you go, wow, they're everywhere. And he says, consider them. Consider them. Go to school and consider what they have to teach us. The first thing they have to teach us is they have no boss, and yet they go to work. They have no boss. And, and that's, that in and of itself, that may be the biggest lesson we can learn this morning. Stop here. There's more to learn, but stop at the... Go to work when no one's watching. When no one's watching. You think about that as you grew up. It is so hard to clean your room when no one tells you to. It's so hard to, to clear your own plate. It's so hard to cut the grass. It's so hard to do all these things without someone telling you. And, and some of us go from that kind of uh, difficult environment where our parents are telling us what to do. And we're like, so we go to school. And if there's not a ton of bricks over our head, we will not work. And what, what he says here is he says, consider the ants. They have no boss and yet they work. The first important lesson that we need to see in, in relationship with God is this, that even if you have no boss, you work. Even if no one is watching, even if no one is checking up on you, work. The second uh, lesson in the school of ants, learning for, for the sluggard, 
If you are a sluggard, these are the lessons that you need to learn. Is first of all, work when you have no boss. The second thing you, you see in this passage in verse 8, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. You get this picture of uh, a farmer, right? And the ant being insignificant, even the ant in its insignificance goes and harvests and prepares. You know, it's easy in the summertime to find food. There, there's food everywhere. There's this huge harvest. There's a sense of abundance. But to know that there's a day coming where this won't be here. And so the second thing we find out about the ant is the ant prepares for themselves. There's a big theme here uh, as we go through the book of Proverbs. Uh, the ant does their work, but the ant also prepares for their future. Okay? Looks out on the horizon and says, I need to prepare. It's mine to take care of. This is what it is that the sluggard must understand. The other lessons found in chapter 6 go like this. Uh, In verse 9, it says, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Sleep and long naps are bad. They're bad. I I realize you need to know that I understand these things, okay? I don't like getting up in the morning. My alarm bothers me as much as it does anyone here in this room. That awful feeling that it goes off and... Sometimes I even wake up early and I, I prepare in my heart. I just go, oh, I know it's going to ring. I know it's going to ring. Oh, just that awful feeling. That, that feeling uh, when you say, you know what? I, I, I feel tired. I feel tired. Maybe I should just lay down for a while. And that laying down for a while turns into laying down for a more while, right? And then you lay there and you say, well, why should I get up? Is there anything all that compelling to get me up? And sometimes there's not in our minds. And there's a sense of, you know, you get in those deep theological debates. You're laying there and you say, is it God's will that I get out of bed right now? Or should I just rest in the Lord right now? For the sluggard, he should look to the ant and say, you know, I need to get out. I need to get moving. Uh, that, that should be like an elementary thing. We should get moving, get moving. I know that lying in bed uh, seems like the best thing to do when you're lying in bed, but that idea that says, I need to get moving. There's a danger and, and a, a warning in this for the sluggard as well. He makes the connection. He says, verse 10, he says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands. I want, to, I want you to see that, a little, right? He's not even talking about a lot. Most of us in our minds, we uh, like to uh, make that distinction, right? I'm just taking a little nap. I'm just sleeping in a little bit longer. I'm just resting a while. And, and what he connects here is this. Our laziness, our laziness is connected to one thing. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. And what, verse 11? And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The picture there is pretty simple, right? When does an, uh, a robber, an armed man come upon you? He doesn't call ahead. I'm coming. 
coming to steal all your stuff. I'm coming to take advantage of you. It's that in the midst of us wasting time and becoming lazy and enjoying life, it comes upon us when we least expect it. The sluggard needs to learn the lessons of not having a boss, of preparing for the future, of not loving sleep, and make the connection from laziness to poverty, knowing that it will surely come upon. Have you ever seen an ant stand around? I haven't. They're always moving. Have you ever seen an ant bed? Is I'm taking a nap, taking my 15-minute union break right here, okay? Uh, I'm just going to kick back. I realized that I haven't studied ants, and it wasn't so much a scientific study that he was calling them to. He says, look down, just look down, consider them for a moment. It's a lesson that we must, a, a learning time for the sluggard. Well, now we're going to turn from learning for the sluggard to learning from the sluggard. If you turn to chapter 26 of the book of Proverbs, and I want to encourage you to do this and be willing to do this. It hasn't made for a real pleasant week for me, so I figured you should have this for the coming week, okay? Um Apply the scripture to your life. Uh, I've found these verses all over my life this week. All over. Um, And it's not very encouraging, okay? But I want to tell you that this is about my relationship with God. It's not about me uh, building my self-esteem to think that I'm awesome, okay? It's about me having a relationship with God and letting Him have His way in my life. Verse 13 says this, The sluggard says, There is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. As the door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. It's a section on being lazy, of being a sluggard. We start at the beginning. First of all, uh, what can we learn from the sluggard? The sluggard always has an excuse not to work. Always has an excuse not to work. Look outside. This is a good, Bear Valley Springs. This is what it's all about here. It's too cold today to work. Snowed, you know, snow day, right? No sense working today. It's too dangerous to work today. You know, I should just probably sit by the fire all day. This is just one of those days that I should do that. You know what? It, uh, snow's starting to melt. It's too muddy outside. It's too muddy outside. Oh, it's just way too muddy to work today. I just get mud everywhere. And, you know, I don't have a really good pair of boots either. So until I get those boots, I really can't work. Uh, the, the sluggard also of Bear Valley Springs can say, it's too windy today. It's too windy. You know, the wind's blowing and just it's awful out there. And then we change seasons and we say, oh, my allergies are just killing me today. I can't do this today. I can't do this. Uh, and then in a few weeks, we're going to be saying what? It's too hot to work today. It's too hot to work today. 
And, and we see this proverb, and what does it say? I love it. I love it the way it says it. The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. It's too dangerous, you know. The lion's going to eat me. It's just better not to work. I want to tell you, we need to fight that with all that we are. You know, um, if the weed whackers broke, get out the hoe, right? Take it to the shop, get out the hoe. You say, well, my hoe's broke too. Get out your scissors, okay? <laughs> June 15th is coming, you know? We, it, we should not, we should not, and I, I, I know I've made light of this. I, I, I'm honest when I, I tell you, as you go over these scriptures, you hear it in your own voice. Ah, I can't do it today. Well, why can't you do it today? It's just not seeming like this is a good day to do this, you know. Ah, you know, I better, you know, we always have an excuse not to work. We should not, there's this awful of the lazy one, there's this awful sense of say no first and then figure out why later, right? This is not the way the Lord wants us to be. He, In fact, he mocks the sluggard in this passage by saying there's a lion in the road. I'm going to die if I work. Next verse, verse 14. As the door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. What a picture. Make a, you know, make a plaque of that and set it in your, around your house, right? You know. The, the picture there is not uh, a great sleep. The picture is you're already awake and you're like, I'll just roll over one more time. And, and some, some of you are going, man, that creaking is a lot louder than it used to be, okay? You know, and there's that sense, that picture of getting nothing done, of being connected there. We move on. Uh, verse 15, he says, The sluggard buries his hand in, in the dish, and it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. What a pathetic picture of this picture of like, oh, it's too hard to eat. You're right? I, I, I want to be honest with you. There may be a day where your health is like that. But, but, but I, you get this picture that they're unwilling to take God's provision and bring it back. They picture the hand. I don't know if that's even worse than the idea of taking utensils and bringing it back. It's just like, it's just too hard to eat. They're too lazy to eat. This is where it will land you. This is what will happen to you. The last verse in this passage says, The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. When someone is lazy, you know what? They think they're smart in being lazy. They think that it's part of their philosophy of life, that they have some kind of justification why it's better for them to be lazy than to go out and work hard. I trust that you, uh, that these verses resonate with you, and um, it's sometimes it's just tough to, to face. Flip over to chapter 24. In the midst of this, I want to tell you that God's grace covers all. I know that you've been lazy. I know that I've been lazy. And I don't want to be that grouchy guy that's ranting and raging. 
Um, but I know that God is faithful to us. Chapter 24, verse 30 says this. And this is part of another um, another school that we should enroll in. It's the school of sluggards, where they are the professors. Look at what it says. Verse 30 says, I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I, I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. We'd already heard that one, right? He said it again. He wrote it twice. But what's the lesson? The lesson is, he, he goes around and he looks at the house, the, not really the house, but the fields, the occupation, the place where they make money. And he looks at it and it tells him a message. It, it shares with him about the person who owns the field. I, w- I want you to see this. First of all, uh, it's not the house. We'll get to the house in a minute. I think that does reflect someone. But what about their work? Their work. If you look at a farmer and you would, uh, you, you would look at his farm, the place where he makes money, you would see if he's working or not. Right? I, I realize that not too many of us are true farmers here, right? I remember my dad telling me a story where um, his dad was off working and they had hired uh, a man to come and plow their fields. And the man wasn't doing a very good job. He was working the plow and it was kind of uh, weaving and this and that. And my dad, he was so uh, he was so bothered. He told his mom, he says, Mom, we can't have that guy plowing our field. I need to go out there, this young boy. I need to go out there because our neighbors will laugh at us. They'll see that we don't know what we're doing because it's it's just going like this. You see, our field, if you will, our work is shown what, how important this is to us. It shows if we're lazy or if we're diligent, if there's activity or if there's not activity. You get that? I think sometimes we like to show by our clothing. We like to dress up. We like to talk a big game. We like to buy stuff. And he says, no, consider the field. And I'm not saying this, because all your uh, weeds need to be cut by June 15th, right? There's a certain sense of pressure to all that, right? I, I see it growing. And what, what would happen if it rained this week? Wouldn't that be awful? Those weeds would grow six inches in a day, right? You, you get this picture and you say, you can, you can go by someone's field and you can see if work has been done and work hasn't been done and what kind of work. And he says, as he walks around, he says, son, look around. As you see someone's field, as you see their work and what they do, you can tell if they're lazy or if they're diligent. You can tell. Your work shows what's going on inside. You know what? um, How you take care of what God has provided for you shows as well. Your house, who's supposed to take care of your house? <clears throat> who's supposed to take care of your house? 
Who's supposed to take care of your car? Who's supposed to clean your desk? Who's supposed to uh, take care of your bank account? Who's supposed to pay your bills? Who's supposed to do all these things? You are. You are. You get this picture that your work is connected to you. To you. <clears throat> your, uh, your field shows what you think about work. This all we can learn from the sluggard. He said he considered this. He, as, he, as he drove by, as he walked and he saw this man's field and he goes, that guy's lazy. And, and, and I want to tell you, it's a good picture. I, I know we don't like looking at it. When you see poverty that comes upon someone because they were unwilling to work, look and stare long. Why? Because it should be your teaching and your motivation to say, I I can't be that guy. This is not what God wants for me. God, you just gave me a picture of why I should get out of bed in the morning. Why I should take care of my family. You you just gave me a picture uh, of the way I should live. The sluggard. Learning from the sluggard. Let's look at the way of the sluggard. What happens to him? What what comes upon him? Chapter 20, verse 4. Chapter 20, verse 4 says this. The sluggard does not plow in, in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Okay? If you don't work hard today, when you seek for that which God has for you or you need for your provision, you, you won't have it. You'll go hungry. There's other verses in Proverbs that talk about this, but um, we'll just use that one and then we'll talk about really the eating side of things in a moment. We've, we've already talked uh, from Proverbs chapter 26, verse 15. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth, Right? Some of the, even the provision that God has for us, we're unwilling, we're unwilling to take the, the difficulty of bringing it back, of, of harvesting, of getting it to us that we might be nourished. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. Some of you, this might be a good life verse. Chapter 27 says this, Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. The picture there is this, you won't barbecue, right? Takes too long, takes too long. I'm not saying this particular verse has something to do with the reason that I won't touch sushi, you know. It's uncooked, right? There's a sense of grossness to that. You, you cook it and, and you get this picture. I, I want you to see this. That if we were hunting, uh, we, we had uh, animals, that's a big deal to get it from being a live animal to on your table. Some of you don't know this because, you know, you've been eating chicken nuggets forever and you were wondering, you know... I always love, I saw a, a cartoon many years ago of the boneless chicken farm, and all these chickens are just laying there like this on the ground. 
It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Your food is a big deal. It, it, it takes a long process. And, and even the process of cooking it, sometimes we go, oh, I just, you know, I don't have the energy. I don't even care about that. Be careful. Be careful of the attitude that says if anything is work, it's bad. Because that, that's the picture here of the one who is the slugger. They will not be able to benefit because life takes work. So now we turn the corner and we took a, take a look at the way of the diligent. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You get the picture of one who is diligent. It's not just that they work hard and fast, but they work smart. And the, the plans of the diligent, what happens over time is this, that they bring themselves, they, they take the diligent person to a place of abundance. On the other hand, there is someone, the one who is hasty to get rich, comes to poverty. You look over a couple of chapters in chapter 28, verse 19. Similar idea, uh, important for us to see. Um, another picture of the land. Verse 19 says this, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Now, I want to tell you, I realize that most of you have already chosen an occupation and you're at work at it, but if you're in a job transition or if you're uh, seeking employment, you realize that God's got something for you to do, be careful about chasing after dreams. And when I say dreams, I'm talking about things that don't require hard work. There's always some get-rich-quick scheme out there. And, and to be honest, I'm tempted by them, as you are. The idea of not working hard and then getting a lot of money. It seems like the way to go. Uh, someone says, this is a get-rich-quick scheme. And you say, oh, that's bad. And, and they can respond to you, do you want it to take a long time to get rich? You know, how long do you want it to take? And you go, oh, yeah, it does sound good to get rich quickly. I just want to tell you this, that as you read through the book of Proverbs, he says, that's not the way for you, my son. That's not the way for you. In relationship with me, I want you to work hard and I'm going to bless and, and provide for you. There's a danger, especially in the issue of sales, to be tempted that somehow, some way, you won't have to work hard and you will get a lot of money. It's a lie. It's something that God doesn't have for us. Abundance comes through diligent work. Chapter 24, verse 27, tells us another principle um, that should work for all of us. 
There's an application for all of us here. It says this, uh, chapter 24, verse 27. Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. Um, take care of getting your work working, and then take care of the, the comforts that you need. Okay? Not the other way around. Uh, I'll be honest with you, a man um, taught me this verse. Even I think I was studying it at the same time he taught me this. I, I got a job. It was a sales job. And I knew that I needed to travel quite a distance. Like I knew, And I knew the car that I, I was driving at the time wouldn't be able to do it. And so he knew a lot about cars. And I said to him, I said, I'm thinking about buying a car. And, um, you know, I, I've thought, you know, I think I can handle this kind of payment going forward with this job that I'm getting and I work hard and it'll all come together. And and he he asked me about the job and then he says, do you want to buy my car? No, no. Do, do you want to borrow my car? And I said, borrow your car. Why? And he goes, why don't you borrow my car until you get some paychecks coming in? Why don't you make sure that you can have an income before you go making purchases that will get for your comforts. The principle there is that this, work first, take care of comforts later. It's super important, you know. It's important for our kids when they're doing their homework. Hey, you know, can I, can I, uh, uh, can I sit around and watch a movie? Can I play video games? Can I go out and, you know, just hang out and be with my friends? Is your homework done? And you can you can appeal to them and say this. I'm not just being a nagging parent when I tell you that. Mom and dad have to do that too, and we don't like it either. We need to work first, work first, take care of the fields, and then take care of the home that we live in. You get that picture? It's super important. Work first. Chapter 22, verse 29. This is the verse that I was sharing with the surprise boxers. Now they're all going to want to be professional basketball players. Did you get that? I know it. Pastor Kevin said I could do it. Verse 29 says this. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Um. Your job skills, your diligence in attaining job skills will be your limitation to where you do them and what kind of job you have. I know that that's discouraging. I realize that we are not um, in an important place in life here, right? We're in the great city of Tehachapi. I realize that some of you are going, you know, I'm stuck in in this job that, you know, is going nowhere. I want to encourage you about something. Get better at your job. Get better at your job. Get skills. And you say, well, how do I do that? Real simple. Think about your work. Think about your work. Be diligent. Spend less time on Facebook than you do on your work. Uh, Think about, read about what your occupation from people who know how to do it well. Study how people do it that do it well. If you see someone who builds houses and you're a builder and you drive by a nice house, 
Sit there. Don't be creepy or anything, but sit there and study it. Look at it. If you find someone successful at what they're doing, say, can I have five minutes? I have a couple of questions. I'm not that good at what I do, and I see that you are. How can I learn from you? Do you get the picture here of this is that to acquire skills so that you can work better at your job is good. It's good. It's not the, you know, I got to see I'm okay. You know what? If that's all you can do, that's fine. But most of the time we just get by, it's because we were unwilling to work hard and to think deeply about honoring the Lord in our work. He says if you, if you get skills um, in important jobs. No, it didn't even say that, did it? Important jobs. You know what? Uh, at the White House, they have a plumber. They have a plumber. And you know what? I, I bet you he's a really good plumber. I bet you everyone respects the plumber at the White House. You know why? Because the toilets don't flush unless he says they do. Okay? He makes sure that uh, we love person, people with skills, right? We love it. I, I love uh, being around a mechanic who can fix my car. I love it because I can't. I don't have those skills, right? What should we do? Real simply, in any job that God has called us to, get skills. Their computer hacking skills, get skills. If you're a plumber, get skills. If you're an engineer, get skills. If you're into landscaping, get skills. If you're a weed whacker, get skills. There's opportunities here in this town. And you'll have many opportunities. You'll find work as you honor the Lord with your skills. In chapter 12, verse 24, this will be our last point. A few closing comments. Chapter 12, verse 24, it says this, The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put into forced labor. Uh, The principle here is this, that as you work hard and as you're diligent at your job, you'll get promoted. You'll get promoted. You will get opportunity. You will get in the place of of, of a boss. Why? Really, in our culture today, it's so rare, right? If you work hard, you know, you're exceptional. If you do this without someone looking over your shoulder, people are going to notice. And what's going to happen is you're going to get more responsibility. You will rule. But if you're lazy, guess what? Uh, They'll entrust you with less and less. You might lose your job or you might be put in a situation where you have to sit right underneath the boss so he can watch you and so he can look over your shoulder because you don't do your work. A few comments, especially to the young here this morning. I want to talk to you about socialism and communism and maybe our country, okay? Uh there's some there's a beauty about socialism and communism that sounds good, right? Sounds good. Everyone gets the same. Everyone's equal. You know, we just kind of all put it in a pot and then we dole it out. You know, everyone should have because of uh, everyone's created equal and everyone should get the same. Uh, that should work. 
Proverbs shows us, Proverbs shows us this, that because we live in a sinful world, we are all prone to laziness. And because we are prone to laziness, those ideas don't work. They don't work. Because we are sinful, we will look for someone else to take care of our home. We will look for someone else to do our job. We'll look for someone else to pay us and pay for our things uh, because we think it's unfair. I want to tell you that God wants the diligent to prosper, but he also wants the lazy to suffer. Okay, I know that sounds harsh. God said these things. And every time he talks about the lazy, he talks about the suffering that will connect with that. I don't want to say that all people who are poor are lazy because that it also talks about the poor. We're going to speak of that in some of the weeks to come when we talk about money. But I want you to know this. He wants us to be diligent and he chooses to bless us based on that. If we choose to ne- neglect him and not listen to him and, and we are lazy, he wants us to suffer that that might motivate us to get busy. This morning, I'll just end with this. I, I hope this helps you in the Lord. I hope this helps you. I hope this motivates you to fight this week against your own laziness. I hope this causes you to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for the way I've been doing this. I, I don't want this morning uh, to be about guilt. This isn't, you know what happens with guilt, right? Rarely is guilt a motivator. Most of the time, it, it just causes us to give up, to give up. I, my hope this morning as we've gone through the Word of God is this, that we would get after it, that we would just simply get after it. We would realize the danger of laziness in our own heart and that we would start working at it. I want to tell you one, one, one more thing. Um, you won't finish. You won't finish. You say, you won't finish what? Whatever you're doing, right? You ever tried to finish the laundry? (laughs) Have you ever tried to do that? Um, How long does a clean garage last? You know, pay the bills. They just keep sending them to you, don't they? All all these things just keep coming. Just keep coming. You're you're not going to finish. But, but the motivation here this morning is this. In your relationship with God, get after it. Get after it. What he's placed before you, if it's yours to do, take responsibility in the Lord and work. And work hard and diligently with skills. God, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you for your grace to us, God, in all our imperfections and sins, Lord, Uh, You care about us and you love us and you say you'll both walk with us, you'll forgive us of our sins, you'll empower us to succeed, but you'll also cover us when we fall again. God, thank you for your grace to us. God, I pray uh, that you would help us sort all this out this morning and have a proper response to your word. God, thank you for your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.